Last evening, I was watching a documentary on television um, with my family on Ayrton Senna. Anybody heard of Ayrton Senna? One of the best, perhaps the best ever Formula One driving um, champion. And if you know anything of his life and of his story, he is an incredible sportsman driven um, by a real ambition to be the best. And I've watched this documentary more than once, and I still watch the final hours of his life as he goes into what was his final Grand Prix. And you know in that Italian Grand Prix, you know he's going to die. And both times that I've watched it, I've gone, Ayrton, don't do it. You're going to die. And you watch the scene unfold of the final hours of one of the greatest racing drivers ever. And it is intense. And it's tragic. In a much deeper way, so are the final hours of the greatest person who's ever lived. And his name is Jesus. This is not an accident. This is a deliberate giving of himself to fulfill God's plan. The events of Good Friday have begun early in the morning. And after a legal trial that broke all the rules of justice and fairness, early on Friday morning, Jesus is handed over by the Roman governor Pilate to be taken and to be crucified. Friends, forsake him. Soldiers mock him. They strip him naked. They spit upon him. They strike him and they mock him. A man passing by whose name is Simon is forced to carry the cross of Jesus because Jesus has no physical strength left. And then they come to a place outside Jerusalem called Golgotha, the skull. And there, Jesus, in front of the public, in humiliation, is crucified. We've read from Matthew's gospel that at noon, when the sun should be shining its brightest, there is thick darkness over all the land. And I want us just to pause this evening and think about that darkness and hear from that darkness three significant cries. This is the first one. Why? Have you ever asked yourself that as you've thought of the cross? Why? Why is this happening? Why is this happening to this man? Matthew gives us an insight into that question and helps us unpack that question. It says that Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Why, God, have you forsaken me? Literally, the word that Matthew uses means he screams. Why 
have you forsaken me? It's a word that troubles many of us. How can the Son of God be screaming at God the Father, why? Do you hear the intensity of that scream? Why, God, do you forsake me? He screams. Is Jesus throwing in the towel? Is Jesus giving up? Friends that I have, and believe it or not, I do have friends. And some of them are skeptics, and they don't believe what I believe about Jesus. And they'll say, Paul, this whole gospel thing is made up. The stories are invented. Sometimes I say to them, wait a minute. Would you, if you were inventing a story to make your hero Jesus look good, would you include this, that he screams and looks like he's throwing in the towel? That scream is recorded because it's true. Even though it troubles me still, it's true. Eyewitnesses were there, they heard it. What does it mean? Do you agree with me this evening that when you cry out when you are suffering, that your cry comes from the very source of your suffering? Yeah? If you were to kick me tonight, and I trust that you won't, you will kick me on the shin like some people try to do in church when I play football. If you kick me on the shin, I'll scream out because there it hurts. Yeah? We may have expected Jesus to say, my friends, doesn't say that. They've abandoned him, but it's not what he screams. We may have expected Jesus to say, my feet, my body, my head, they have beaten me. It hurts. It's not what he says. He screams, my God, why? Tell me, is it not true that the deeper the relationship with a person, the deeper the hurt if that relationship is broken? If a friend betrays me, I feel it. But if someone in my family hurts me and betrays me, I feel it more. If a spouse forsakes you, you feel that deeply, do you not? Some of you have been through that. And it hurts. And Jesus cries, God, why? Because he is the son and the father has forsaken him. And in this most intense moment of incredible agony, where he says, why? Jesus digs deep. Do you know what he does? He takes Old Testament truth and brings it into his life. That's where you and I need to go when we're hurting. To the Bible, do we agree on that? We dig deep and in our intense pain we take the Bible. This is what Jesus says 
when he says, why have you forsaken me? It's from the Psalm, Psalm 22. Listen to this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. We'll look at the verses towards the end of, end of Psalm 22. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. In the midst of his scream of why, Jesus is saying, God is working it out. This is the plan. God is in control. Thank God that the death of Jesus is not an accident. Thank God that evil did not triumph. Thank God that our sin did not triumph. But willingly he gives himself because he knows there's a plan. Let's just pause before we move to the next part. We might ask, why is Jesus forsaken? It's one thing to understand his pain, his hurt, his scream. But why is he forsaken? He is forsaken because at that moment, he who knew no sin takes my sin and is cut off from the Father. We sang it earlier. I hope you got it. The Father turns his face away and in that moment God the Father turns from Jesus and he's left alone in darkness crushed by our sin listen to one of my favorite verses from the Bible you ready for this listen to this for our sake he that is God made him Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is one of the most incredible verses in the New Testament. Jesus knew no sin. Ask his family. His brothers looked at him. I have a brother, I have two sisters. They have never said to me, he is without sin. <laughs> His family looked at him and said, this man is without sin. And yet, we've just read that he who knew no sin became sin for us. That in that moment, my lies are put on him. And he is judged as though he were the worst liar. Jesus dies as though he was the most selfish person. Jesus dies as though he was the worst adulterer. Jesus dies as though he was the most proud, self-righteous person. He who knew no sin became sin for us. All of our sin. 
And so God turns away and that sin is led on Jesus. Guys, tonight I could be politically correct and caught up in the events of the politics of the debate and everything that's going on. I'm not going to be politically correct, okay? Sin is serious. Sin will kill you. And it's so serious that God gives his son to die for us. And your sin, okay, I'm sorry, I don't know all of you, but I love you, but let me tell you, you're a sinner. Okay? You need to get around that. You need to understand that. You are not perfect. You are a sinner. But your sin is taken and Jesus dies. All of your sin. Can I say that again? And if it touches your heart, you say amen. All of your sin goes there. All of it. So in this intense scream of why we get a, an insight into the love of Christ and the seriousness of our sin. You still with me? Here's the second cry. Finished. <laughs> Finished. Finished. We read from Matthew's gospel that he cried out. John gives us what exactly he cried. This is what John says. Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. When Jesus died, he died outside the city of Jerusalem. And in the city of Jerusalem, there was an important building called the temple. The place that God had given where God would come down, where heaven would meet earth. And people could be drawn into that. Have you ever thought of how large and how big the most holy place was, which was in the temple? If you look down at that stage, in the temple... There was at the very innermost part a place called the holy place where God dwelt. And there was a curtain. That curtain was almost like a wall. It was so thick. It was 60 feet high. That would be from the floor to the ceiling. Okay? What is that saying? Access to God is out of bounds. You can't come to God. And in the temple, there were various courts, and you could, ladies, listen, and don't get annoyed with me. You could come to the temple, but there was a court where you stopped, and you weren't allowed any further. Sorry. And beyond that, there was another court, and it was for the Gentiles, those who weren't Jews. They could come to that, but they couldn't go any further. And you say, what about the priest? The priest who was allowed in, he could go so far. And one man, once a year, could go through the curtain into God's presence. And it was such a terrifying thing. Do you know what they did? They tied a rope around his leg in case he was struck by the holiness of God. No one's ever done that to me in church. <laughs> such 
was the whole symbolism of the temple. You cannot just walk in to the presence of Almighty God because of your sin. And when Jesus dies, he says it's finished. And the curtain of the temple was torn from top ceiling to the bottom. I don't know what height the priest was, but he wasn't big enough to reach the top of a 60-foot curtain. God reached down and tore it, and Jesus says, it's finished, you're in, you're welcome. Amen? Yeah. (laughs) Hebrews, listen to this. The temple is open, the way to God is open. Day after day, every priest stands, performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, that's Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Finished. I remember looking at this verse where the guy, Stephen, who had just become a Christian, just got the gospel, just understood. And I said, Stephen, what do you think that means that Jesus sat down? He says, because there's nothing else to do. Finished. Yeah, he sat down. One sacrifice completely for sins forever. And through that, we are drawn into God's presence. Look what the rest of Hebrews says their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Guys, will we stop trying to pay our way into God's presence? You can't do it. You are not good enough. Stop trying to earn what God gives. Stop trying to be a good person so you gain brownie points. What is that about? You gain five brownie points today and tomorrow you stuff up and you've lost them all. You cannot do it. God is holy and you are sinful. And Christ says it's finished and I will make the way for you. Listen, here's my question. How can you be forgiven of your sin? Only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. No other religious leader, no other system, no other belief will bring you to God. Only Jesus Christ. Amen? There is one way, and it's through Jesus, who finished the work on the cross. I love the fact that it's finished. I'm free. Why did I read my Bible? Why did I come to church to try to earn salvation? No, it's done. It's free. It's finished. I read my Bible. I pray. I come to church because it's finished. And out of that freedom, I can relax and enjoy God. And if I stuff up, please put your hand up if you stuff up. If you don't, those of you haven't put your hands up, there's... Mm. When I stuff up, and I still do, do you remember what we read earlier, that God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, so that in him 
We become the righteousness of God. I stand clothed in the perfection of Jesus Christ and I have nothing to fear. Sin forgiven and righteousness given to me. Good grief, there is nothing comes near this, is there? Why? Finished. Here's the last cry. Yes. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and they exclaimed or they cried out, surely he was the son of God. On that first Good Friday, religious people missed it. And the centurion gets it. I love the Gospels for lots of reasons, but one of them is this. The outsider gets it before the religious person. And the soldier standing who has just crucified Jesus goes, I get this now. He's the son of God. Yes, it's mine. So as I finish, maybe tonight this cross is an offense to you. The Bible says for some people it is an offense. It's an offense to you because it says, first of all, that you're a sinner and you don't like that. It's an offense to you because you think you can earn your way into God's favor and you can't. Please don't let this offend you to the point where you turn away. Please. Will you humble yourself and say, yes, yes. Maybe this evening, the cross is not an offense. Maybe tonight, the cross overwhelms you. Maybe it just stirs your heart again, the amazing sacrifice, the incredible love. This week, I thought of Who is the cross for? The cross of Good Friday is for those tonight who feel unloved and ugly and not wanted. God loves you and wants you. The cross is for Sinners, you are stained because you've stuffed up and his blood washes clean. The cross is for you tonight if you are ashamed of what you've done. 
I frequently come to the cross because it, far too often I'm still ashamed of my sin because I sin and he takes my shame and sets me free. The cross is for you if you're hurting. The cross heals and brings you wholeness. The cross is for you if you're a follower of Jesus and quite simply, you're lukewarm. And this is crazy love. And it should stir your heart and fire you up and make you thankful. So if you're lukewarm tonight, may you go out tonight on fire. This is crazy love. cross is for you if you are a prodigal you've just strayed away and God says tonight if you come back through the cross I will welcome you not shun you not push you away my arms will go around you and I will embrace you and bring you in if you're a prodigal come home tonight and if tonight and there are those I know, and you're firing on all cylinders, and life is good, and God is great, and you are rejoicing in it, get even more fired up, okay? Be even more thankful. You can always be more thankful, can we not? There's always more to understand, always more to get excited about, always more to stir us. So if you come in and you're firing on all cylinders, go out firing on all cylinders plus one. The cross... It's for you as well. Three cries. The cry of Jesus, why? The scream, God, why? It's because of our sin. The cry, finished. No more sacrifices needed. Curtain torn. You're welcome. And the cry of a centurion, may it be yours tonight. Yes, this is for me. This is for me. These guys are going to come and lead us in a couple of songs. I'm just going to pray as they, they come forward. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm not sure you may not have the, you may not be used to praying in church. That's fine. But um, just relax. If you want to close your eyes, just want to quieten your heart. That would be really good. And I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. And then on the back of this prayer, we're going to sing. So those of you who are followers of Jesus, I'm, I'm not going to lead you in a prayer. You know, I think, tonight what you need to say or do. But I want to pray for you tonight if you are not yet connected to God through Jesus and in a real relationship with God. Tonight, that can be yours it simply requires that you say yes so I'm going to pray and if this echoes in your heart just quietly on your own inside just echo these words and say yes so I'm going to pray just you take these words for yourself and I'd ask everybody here tonight to pray God we thank you 
that though there are things we don't fully understand, you're not asking us to understand everything. You say, believe. Father, before you, I have nothing I can hide. You know my shame, my hurts, my sin. I'm sorry that I've offended you. God, I thank you. God, I thank you that you gave Jesus. And tonight, for the first time, a little bit scared, not exactly sure, but I come to you. God, I'm sorry. Jesus, I say yes. And I give my life to follow you as I turn from my sin. Thank you that in Jesus' name, God, you accept me completely. Amen.